and it's been an unusually busy season for juvenile albatross crash landings on the Chatham Islands. At this time of year, albatross leave the Chathams for South America. And for young fledgling albatross, it's the first time they make this trip. And the first challenge is to actually get off the land. Gemma Green is a biodiversity officer for DOC on the Chatham Islands. And she's here to share some stories from the busy season. Hi, Gemma. Hi, Shippy. Can you tell us first about some of the rescues you've had to do? Yeah, so we've had five reports of these juvenile bullers, um, albatross crash landing, various parts of the island. Um, so three of them we've we've rescued ourselves and moved to higher locations, and one of them, um, two of them, the, the members of the public helped out. And in the first case, it was actually our local fire brigade. Uh, it was one of their members found uh-huh. one crash landed on the road at night time. So um, the fire brigade happened to be doing some um, work on the cliff tops the next day as part of their training. So they they were able to pop it up on a high spot. Where do they usually launch from for their first flight? So they breed on um, two of our offshore rock stack islands, the Sisters and the 44s, privately owned islands that are um, about 30 to 50 kilometres away. And they're incredibly tall um, islands with huge sea cliffs. Um, So no matter really the wind direction, they don't have any too much problem taking off from there because, um, yeah, they're they're so high up and the the cliffs are so steep. Um, But the problem comes if they undertake that first flight and it happens, the wind direction happens to push them over land, uh, you know, being inexperienced flyers, (laughs) being their first time. Uh, They don't sort of know to um, avoid the land and hug the coast and they can end up um, in the middle of the island and the wind suddenly drops out from underneath them and, um, yeah, they can end up in some funny spots. Is it harder to flow, uh, is it harder to fly over land than it is over water? Yeah, so they they fly, um, they kind of use the wave action to propel themselves um, from one wave crest to another and using the lift from that and that's sort of how they're designed to fly, you know, sort of 5 to 20 metres above the surface of the sea. Wow. And so obviously land has got all kinds of different topography and there's dips and hollows and the wind can just kind of, I mean, anyone flying a kite knows suddenly the wind can drop out from underneath you and you're crashing into the ground. So these young birds are just, um, yeah, just unlucky that they happen to get pushed over the one bit of land that's around them. Presumably they are built for crashes if this is part of life for them. Yeah, they didn't seem to take it um, too bad at all. They're all uh, in very good nick when we picked them up. Um, yeah, they just and they're quite um, relaxed birds. They're very endearing, actually. They're pretty non-plus to be handled by humans, which is good. And they just need somewhere high. And when they when you can see them feeling the wind under their wings, they start stretching and flapping, and and they know what to do. And they um, they're ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Do, now. This may be a stupid question, but the 44s that you referred to, they're actually east of the Chatham Island, main Chatham Island, so it means the birds are flying west. But I just said in my intro that they're meant to be flying east towards South America, so what's going on there? Yeah, so the the last couple of weeks have obviously been, um, we've had quite an unusual weather pattern for the Chathams, which is we've had light easterlies. Mm. Um, At this time of year, normally, today is a more typical day, we've got a roaring southwest 40 knot wind and that's that's normally what you're seeing at this time of year but these light easterlies have obviously coincided with the time in which they're feeling the urge to take off um, 
you know, getting hungry and mum and dad have left them and, yeah. you know, they want to get going. But these easterly winds have not really played to their advantage. So we think that's why um, this year has been a particularly bad one for finding crash-landed birds. Got it. Um, so what do yeah. you do once, you, once you've got them? Well, we just go and collect them from wherever they are, pop them into a... You know, a dog crate is <laughs> quite a handy thing to transport them in with a bit of carpet at the bottom, yeah. um, and take them off to a, a you know a good um, high location that we've we've got access to, and um, yeah, haul them up the hill basically, and open the door, and they they waddle out and start to do their thing, and and then we just leave them, and we kind of check on them later that day or the next day, and they're gone. They're usually gone by the next morning. Mm. Um, they just take a l- little bit of time to acclimatise, and um, they're not too too fussed about sitting on land for a wee while. It's what they've been doing for the last five and a half months anyway. So um, as long as they d- don't encounter a dog or or even possibly a pig, then they're, they're pretty happy just to wait until the wind is right and they'll give it another go. Remind me, how do you go for predators in the Chathams? Predators? Um, yeah, so we, we, we're, we're lucky in some respects that we don't have some of the usual predators. We don't have, don't have any mustelids. Um, That's good. But we do have, yeah, we do have feral cats. Um, are probably our one of the greatest threats to those larger seabirds, like um, like albatrosses and the larger petrels. Um, so yeah, they are a bit of a problem that we deal with, and with our oyster catchers as well. Yeah. How long have you been on the islands, Gemma? Uh, I've been here since the start of 2018. So yeah, just over five years now. You have an interesting work day. I do, yep, I do. It's um, filled with all sorts of yeah, random calls and albatrosses are just one of the, the things that we work with, but um, it's always exciting to get to see an albatross in person. You feel very lucky. They're, they're pretty special creatures. What's your favourite local species? Oh, I feel like I'd have to say the um, Chatham oyster catcher, the Tauria Thai, because... Oh, yeah. um, kind of the, the bird that I work with the most. Um, but secretly, it's actually the warbler that's here. It's, it's like a grey warbler, but quite different um, in a lot of respects. And so they're just really sweet little birds that will often come up and visit you when you're by yourself in the bush. Oh. They'll come up and say hello. Awesome. You love your job, obviously. Yes, I do. Yeah. What happens to these albatross when you uh, eventually help them fly? They head to South America, and then what does life look like for them after that? Yeah, so they'll join the rest, you know, the appearance and the rest of the population that heads over and and rides that Humboldt current um, along the South American coast, around Chile and Peru, and even up to the Galapagos. And they'll spend a couple of years over there, um, you know, getting their strength up and feeding and um getting the lay of the land, and then they'll come back into New Zealand waters around um, the eastern North Island and around the Chathams uh, with all the other, um, the rest of the breeding birds. But they won't start breeding themselves until they can kind of um, find a mate and find a find a nest spot. So the, the islands that they nest on, um, there's a huge number of them. So on the 44s, there's over 17,000 nests and about 3,000 on the sisters. So... Um, yeah, it's hot property there and it's space to find and build a nest for yourself um, is quite competitive. So it can be sort of eight to 12 years before they've established themselves and can actually begin breeding. How old do they get? Uh, the oldest banded bird recovered was 54 years old. Oh, so boy. definitely sort of 45 plus. Yeah. Wow, incredible.
incredible. Hey, I'm really enjoying the quality of your phone line, by the way, Gemma. <laughs> Thanks. I had to come up home because we had a power cut at the office. That's um, yeah, those those roaring gale force winds are no good for the power lines sometimes. Yeah, you got a mobile network on Chathams now. We do. Yes, very fancy. Exciting stuff. Yep. Any other goss from the Chathams we need to know about while we've got you here? Oh, we're just um, no, we're just getting through winter, and um, yeah, I think everything's. Pretty, oh, we're a bit excited about the prospect of some renewable energy um, coming our way. So, oh, yeah, I yeah, interviewed that guy. That. Yeah, very cool. Nice one. Hey, yeah. um, thanks for your time today. Good luck rescuing those albatross, and I hope there's not too many that uh, come crash landing in the farms around the Chathams. <laughs> thanks very much, Jesse. Nice to talk to you. Gemma Green, who's had a bit of a problem with the uh, unseasonable easterly winds and the birds, the juvenile albatrosses that have been crashing in her patch on the Chatham Islands.